Oh, and I did not know Ottawa's main export is lumberjacks. I, that's... <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Non-Breaking Space Show. Our guest for this episode is Jonathan Snook, product manager at Shopify.com. You can find Jonathan on Twitter at SnookCA and he blogs at Snook.ca, just like every good Canadian should. In this episode, Jonathan talks about his entry to the web, his start in computer retail sales, working on government websites, personal projects, writing a blog, writing a book, designing products at Yahoo, and the story behind Jack the Lumberjack. And of course, we have a lot of smack talk. Your hosts for this episode are Sam Cap and Christopher Schmidt. CRISPR and the Environments for Humans crew are prepping for an awesome second annual CSS DevConf, October 21st to 23rd in the 2013s. Speakers include Jonathan Snook, that's what they call brand synergy folks, Chris Coyer, Nicole Sullivan, and so many more. I'm still waiting for my invitation to speak on front page 98 in CSS3, but I'm sure Christopher has a big announcement coming soon. So check out cssdevconf.com on the interweb for full details on how to buy tickets and plan to attend. Sam Cap is a design educator and designer in Austin, Texas. And she's also the co-host of the ATX Web Show, a podcast for the Austin web community, available at atxwebshow.com. Of course, all this stuff and more is available at nonbreakingspace.tv. This is the point in the introduction where I'm supposed to ask you to leave a rating or review in the iTunes podcast listing, but I know you've already done that, all of you. So there's no point in pausing the show, loading up iTunes, looking for non-breaking space in the store, and leaving a five-star review with words such as Christopher is great, the introduction guy is hilarious, Sam Cap is awesome, those kind of things. You've already done that, so there's no point in asking you. So we'll skip that part for this, this episode. On with the show, and please enjoy it responsibly. Yeah, and we're recording already, so we've been recording. So uh, we, just, we just dive into it now. So, um, But uh, we're, we're honored that you're on the show and you had time to uh, talk to us today. And, you know, the first thing that we do is just ask uh, how you got into the industry and, uh, and what path you got there. Because you know, everyone, in our generation, everyone, there is no, like, you know, you go to school for this <laughs> and then you, you then you graduate and then you're a web designer. And stuff like that. So I'm always interested in how people got into the web. Yeah, it's, uh, it definitely, there was no school. There was no, like, monumental moment where things suddenly flipped, per se. Um but there kind of was. Um, so back in, going back to way back when, uh, before 94, uh, I spent a lot of my online time with bulletin boards, mm-hmm. which uh, was awesome. Like I could hop online, uh, you know, leave messages, and then uh, we had um, a local, um, uh, i trying to think of the, the name of the group, uh, Freenet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and within the Freenet, they actually had a chat room that originally was only open after 11 p.m. And so you can Im- imagine the type of people that would be online after 11 p.m. at night. Um, and then <laughs> they, uh, they opened it up uh, even more, so it was open 24 hours. And uh, that was my first real sort of like being able to connect with people uh, one-on-one um, and have these kind of conversations with these people uh, around the world. And then uh, the web came out. And for me, it was like, this is awesome. You know, having played with Gopher and realizing just how useless Gopher was, <laughs> uh, the web was this really fun place, uh, much more visual. Um, felt like, um, in a weird way, easy, things were easier to find. And I think, you know, that just the, the hyperlinking of stuff was a lot easier than Gopher, where you were like using an Archie client to right. try to find text on a server. And, and yeah, it just, it was a lot more fun to play with. Right. That's kind of uh, cool because, like, I actually started out with a Freenet. 
too. Uh, it was like uh, came from Tallahassee Freenet. Okay, and, cool. Yeah, and then and then I was doing the Gopher, doing the Archie and stuff like that, and just trying to get around. I never did. I never got into BBSs. I did try BBSs a few times. I downloaded the like Olympic Atlanta Olympics logo <laughs> off of BBS one time. I was like, <laughs> okay, that's great. But um, and so I was trying all these new things, and then someone told me like, hey, have we tried the web with Mosaic? And I'm like, oh man, another thing. Yeah, try it. Uh, yeah, jeez. Oh, yeah. So, so very interesting that you know that the parallels in our our career, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so for me, the the idea of the web was just um, it was an extension of what everything was before that, which was a hobby. Uh, so you know, from like ninety four to ninety eight, um, I, I really saw this web as just it was a, a hobby, something to play with, mm-hmm. and I built my own websites. Um, you know, just things that had interested me, and it was. In 98, where that switch flipped, uh, I was um, working at a computer store selling software and hardware, retail really, uh, and realizing that, you know what, there are a ton of people that are actually making web development a career. Mm-hmm. I could really probably do this as a career, and uh, I actually uh, went, went in one day, Told my boss, you know what? Next week, I'm not coming into work. And um, well, what, were, that, what, what were you working? Like, what was your job? Uh, I was just like a salesperson. I was, uh, you know, selling stuff. Um, well, and, what were you selling? Uh, uh, like uh, Windows computers, okay. uh, software, um, just like retail software. Okay. Um, so, it was, so it was. Yes. Yeah, so you're you're still like you're doing computer stuff, but basically you wanted like. To, to build web stuff, like you want a web job, right? Yeah, the because the working at the computer store was it was retail, which was an extension of what I was doing before that, which was working at Toys R Us, mm-hmm. uh, which was you know before that working in a movie theater mm-hmm. as a theater usher. Um, so like nothing really long term. I'm going to build a career out of this. I'm not going to build a career out of being a salesperson. And yet with the web, I actually hit that point finally in 98 and thought, you know what? Yes, I can actually build a career out of this. This is something that I enjoy doing. Um, I think there's a lot of potential in this. Uh, things I think are only going to continue to go up. Did anyone I want to be involved. Did anyone think you were crazy to get a web job? No, not at all. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. I, well, most of my friends were pretty geeky as well. So, okay. um, you know, they were developers and programmers, but like, Programmers, so they were more on the sort of computer science side of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas I was never maybe quite that uh, driven for that kind of thing. Uh, right. I was I was pretty aimless for uh, my early twenties. Didn't really know what I wanted to do mm-hmm. uh, until I sort of had this light bulb moment to get into the web. Right. Well, I, I say that because like like now you say like, hey, why, why you want to get the web? It's kind of crazy. Like people are like you know, going to web. People are going you know college to learn about the web design and, and development so that but back in the 90s like you know in, in this era you know it wasn't like a sure thing right that it was going to be around people just didn't know what it was you know what, what was going on and um and then um i'm not sure it was about this time or not but like heaven's gate happened and uh their job like it was a cult or whatever and and they committed mass suicide and uh their job by day was uh web design and so my 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 relatives were like so what do you do, Chris? Like, ah, oh, man. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I promise I'm not going to commit to this. <laughs> or join a cult. That's yes. Uh, yeah, that would be good. Okay. Uh, cool. So, all web designers are part of this cult, aren't we? Yeah. 
So, <laughs> so you went in for an interview um, for a job. What, what job was it? Where, where, where were you? In? It was uh, a, an agency here in Ottawa, a uh, really small place, dealing primarily with government clients, uh, Ottawa being the nation's capital, um, kind of similar to Washington, D.C. in the sense that there's a lot of government here. And uh, so I was, had an interview with this agency, uh, said, you know, I'd, I'd love to work with you guys. Uh, it turned out that they had a one-week contract available because um, they were trying to finish up this project. They just needed a bunch of people to create a bunch of HTML and CSS, uh, or actually not even CSS. CSS wasn't really being used that much. So it was primarily just HTML. Um, you know, we, we need to build a static site. Uh, databases weren't... Uh, Really, something that that company was using a lot of. Uh, a lot of the sites that we were building were like a thousand pages of static content. Uh, and uh, yeah, I came in and uh, just tried to do as great a job as I could within that week. Thankfully, they thought it was pretty awesome, and they hired me full time. Oh, awesome! Cool. And then, um, what type of projects were you working on? Like after that, uh, a lot, of, a lot more government. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, the the. I ended up working there for about uh, two years, and the two years that I worked there were probably ninety five percent government, and a lot of uh, I, my role shifted over the first over that two years. I started off as uh, what was called a technical architect, which meant that I was designing the way applications should work. So you know they they need. Uh, or you know how a site should be organized, um, and so taking these uh, user flows and you know how are people going to actually use the the stuff that we were building, and do a, create a lot of documentation around that, uh, and then we had developers that would actually build that stuff out. Then I had shifted into uh, project management, so having a team of people and and still really kind of managing the flow of that project. But I was realizing that what I really enjoyed was more of the hands-on stuff. Right, right. Uh, and near the end, really kind of shifted my uh, role, trying to do a lot more development, even though I was in a project management role, um, mm-hmm. taking projects on the side to improve my development. And back then, uh, we were getting more into uh, MySQL, uh, sorry, not MySQL, uh, SQL Server development, Microsoft SQL Server, and... Uh, ASP development, so really kind of focusing on uh, Microsoft technologies, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, a little bit of Cold Fusion. Oh, uh, nice! Yeah, yeah, which I uh, was was fun. We actually had a a great uh, Cold Fusion developer, and it was great to learn a lot of cool tricks from him. So, and, uh, what? So you, you were a developer, and then you transitioned to project management. How was that transition for you? The actually it was more going from project management to developer, which mm. is kind of weird. Like uh, the, I, I had a good sense of how things should be built, uh, mm. but maybe not the technical uh, depth, not not having the history to know how to develop things well. Um, and so I, I definitely picked up a lot of stuff from my coworkers at the time to expand my technical knowledge, mm-hmm. so that I could actually do a lot of the development myself. Uh, just because I, I I felt that's what I enjoyed the most. Cool. All right. Yeah, I was just wondering if you had like a, you know, like not everyone who's a developer can be a great project manager and vice versa. It's really rare that someone is like just awesome at being both developer and a project manager. I found. Um, well, I, it's interesting how my career has actually kind of come full circle in a way. Yeah. 
Um, I think so. My role now, um, after all these years and all the different uh, companies that I've worked for uh, since then, uh, now working at Shopify, and I'm now a product manager, not project manager. So I'm not really dealing with people per se and saying you need to work on this, you need to work on that. Right. Uh, but uh, as a product manager, sort of defining, uh, you know, what's the 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 technical direction or the design direction, um, you know, the product direction. What 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 direction are we heading in? What features do we need to have? How are people going to use this stuff? Um, and and then being able to work with really talented designers and developers to make that vision happen. Uh, so it's in a way very similar to what I started out doing. Cool. So and I know that's kind of fascinating. I never really. Uh, I guess I never, I guess, met someone who was a product manager before. So, is it what type of things do you do handle like day to day at Shopify for, for? Or is there is there a part of Shopify that you're in charge of, or are you just charge of like what product specifically are you t- I'm talking about, and like what type of day to day stuff? Do you handle? Yeah, so I'm the core product manager, um, and the core is the admin tool that all the store owners use to manage their store. And uh, so we have a number of different products. Uh, we actually just launched Shopify Payments, so we have a payments team that manages that one. Uh, we have uh, an app store, so we have a, a product manager for that. We have a theme store, we have a product manager for that. And so all these different areas have uh, product managers that can manage the direction and whatnot for that. And so for the admin, uh, my role is to do a lot of research. Uh, so I look at a lot of uh, data. Uh, I talk to a lot of customers. I talk to our support staff. Uh, we have a user experience team, so I can rely on them to do uh, a lot of research for us. We have a data team, so I can talk to them about looking at numbers, pull me out stats, figure out you know what are people uh, using, what are they not using, uh, what do they want to ha- be able to do, uh, and then be able to prioritize that stuff. What's the most important thing that we need to build right now that is going to have the biggest impact, not only on our current users, but all the new users that we want to have using Shopify? Yeah, awesome. Cool. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So I know we, j- we jumped around because you were at um, uh, your project manager at uh, the Ottawa agency and stuff like that. So, so where did you go from Ottawa agency to Shopify? Like, what was the what happened in between, right? Let's yes. fill in the gaps. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, we uh, we started off. Um, so, I for Design was the little agency that I worked for, and there there became this sort of tipping point where they were starting to lose um, a number of people, uh, and some friends of mine ended up going to this other company in town that was really looking to uh, establish. They were a print house and looking to establish their web presence, and it was an opportunity for me to um, jump in and and help. Uh, grow that um, and and really put it in a direction that I thought you know we should be going in. Uh, so I w- and went to work for this company called H3 Creative, uh, which it's interesting from a naming perspective. Uh, I for design was letter I number four design, and then I jumped to a company called letter H number three <laughs> creative. Uh, yeah, the naming was maybe a little too similar, but uh, that that. Really kind of the same type of thing that I was doing, um, but uh, sort of managing what is the technical direction. But because I was like the first real web person that they had, uh, I, I was trying to do everything. Um, and you know, we got to grow our team a little bit, uh, two, three, four different people um, on the website. 
trying to focus on this stuff as the company really wanted to be this sort of full service company doing both print and web design. Um, unfortunately, things never really took off uh, for that, and then I moved off to another company, um, also in town. Uh, Was it O twenty four Bingo? You, you would think you know oh, okay. you were getting pretty close. Oh, okay. uh, actually, no. The company I ended up uh, switching off to was Fuel Industries. Oh, okay. Now, Fuel Industries—it's interesting as a name. I go, yeah, I'm going to work for Fuel Industries, and people were like, my family and friends <laughs> were like, oh, you're getting into the gas business? <laughs> Is that how that works? Um, and uh, no, so I had to explain. Fuel Industries was a web design company uh, in Ottawa, but doing some really awesome work. Um, with companies around the world, uh, they had campaigns with Apple and Red Bull, and uh, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, just really great clients. And this was the the first company that I got a chance to work for that I would work on a project that people had heard about. Yeah. Uh, we had done a, a website for the Family Guy, oh, yeah. and it was like. Oh yeah, I've seen that. I've used it. I played with it. It was a lot of fun, and it's like I got to build that. Um, it was a lot different than working on government websites, which aren't very exciting. Um, in fact, I remember working on a project that was a CD-ROM about salt. Nice. You can imagine how exciting, and it was like the static HTML content. You pop in the CD, it opens up your web browser, and you get to browse this website about salt. <laughs> so, to, so to go from that uh, and all these lovely government projects. To, well, salt is important. I'm not gonna like. Let's, oh, it is. Let's oh, not slack this, off on salt. All right. This, iodized salt is very important. I learned all about <laughs> iodized salt. This very important stuff, but not really all that exciting when you talk to your friends and family about it. So working for Fuel Industries is that I, I had that opportunity. And the talent that they had brought into that company uh, was amazing. They had built an entire video uh, studio with green screen so they could do video production. They had built a soundproof uh, studio to do sound production so they could do the, all their own sound production. They had classic animators uh, with like whiteboards and being able to do storyboards and wow. whatnot for their projects. They had flash designers, flash developers, uh, shockwave developers to do game design. Oh, they shockwave. had 3D animators, uh, 3D textures. Just the amount of talent they brought into one company was incredible. Like most companies try to specialize on like one thing, right. um, but the fact that they had all this talent in one place um, in Ottawa. And that I got to be involved in that and involved in the projects that we were building on it was a lot of fun. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think what really uh, was really harder for my career is like, uh, you know, the web thing is booming. People are interested. There's agencies that just do websites. But it was that, like, what you're talking about is like really awesome is that, you know, they bring you in, but there's all these different industries, different talents, different creatives from animation and stuff like that. And you're all kind of like working together. And it's not like the web is subservient. You know, to the others. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So, so that's that's pretty awesome that, that you worked at such. And getting uh, to see the the bigger picture too of whatever it is that you're working on, whether it's Apple or Salt or Red Bull, whatever it is, mm-hmm. getting to see the the different sides or the different pieces that come together just makes your job not easier to do, but I guess better informed. Yeah, I think uh, one of the things that going through a lot of these different. Uh, Jobs was just the exposure to a lot of variety. Um, mm-hmm. Andy Rutledge talks a lot about apprenticeship, uh, and I feel like that is a very important thing. A lot of people 
get into web development because they think, you know what, I can be independent, I can freelance, I can work from home. But if people are coming out of school without any business background, um, I think they're doing themselves and their clients a disservice. I think that having that kind of hands-on experience with variety, agencies are a great way to get that variety. I mean, it exposed me to a lot of different processes, to a lot of the business side as well as the development side. Um, it exposed me to a great, you know, just a number of talented people um, that I got to work with over the years. Uh, and I think that was hugely beneficial. Yeah, I, th- I think it's definitely important, like, just to definitely uh, get, you know, get different people's feedback and work with different smarter people. Than yes. They, they I mean, just to, when you're starting out, just realize that everyone's smarter than you. And they will still be <laughs> as you get yeah. older, too. Uh, yeah. So... There's a good uh, quote by, um, I want to say it's by Lauren Michaels from NBC, that if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. And I think yes. that applies a lot for web. Yeah, yeah or, absolutely. Or and I've been really lucky to have worked with a lot of really smart people over the years. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think what is it the same joke is like uh, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're there in a room full of idiots. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, but no, maybe that's a little... I have to go do that one. Up. I know I heard that one somewhere before, but um, <laughs> um, so, so you're working for this agency that had like different disciplines and every, everything. Yes. So, um, how long did you stay there? Like, what was the most exciting thing that you worked yeah, on? So, there? I mean, I was there for about a year and a half, um, and this is now we're looking at about 2000. I want to say 2003, 2004, mm-hmm. um, and this is when like I had started blogging for a couple of years. Um, Blogging as a as a community had really started to blossom, and I was starting to get this opportunity to um, really put myself out there um, to start to uh, get to know a lot of people in the industry outside of Ottawa um, mm-hmm. and outside of this company that I had uh, been working for. Is that because of blogging itself? Yeah, like absolutely. I think that uh, there. I mean, there was a lot of. Um, I mean, there was a little bit of starting to write for other sites, um, you know, looking at um, uh, Digital Web, uh, which is no longer with us, uh, but is still up around. You can go to Digital Web. Uh, and so doing some of that writing, um, you know, trying to write for a list apart, mm-hmm. starting to write for magazines, and really just trying to get my name out there a little bit more, establish uh, a little bit more of a personal uh, identity and brand outside of the company that I was working for. So, so before you get, like, what was the um, what was the start or need for you to do that to start blogging and get your get your word out or get your brand out or get yourself out there? It, uh, there was definitely this environment of sharing um, that just really seemed to be a part of our industry. Mm-hmm. I just realized that was really loud. <laughs> <laughs> Your phone chimes in. I agree. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, I definitely agree that like, you know, our industry is very unique in that uh, we actually share stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually at some agency the, yesterday, and I asked them some technology question, and I was expecting an answer. And other than the one I got was like, oh, it's secret. I was like, well, what, what, what? Like, like I could, I could, you know, we can go find out what the solution is. You just tell me what technology is. It's, it's pretty easy to go find this out. It's not a secret. I can just, we can just, you know, Google this stuff out. I mean, I don't really need to like, but anyway, 
but uh, yeah, so like other industries are just you know they don't have that sharing mentality that that we that we have, and that that I think that that we need, right? It's uh, yeah. I mean, the, our industry is changing so rapidly, mm-hmm. and I think it is changing rapidly in part because of everybody's sharing. Mm-hmm. Now, everybody can build on top of the ideas that other people are having, uh, and that uh, you know, I think we're making everybody better as a result. Right, and I just I I, I say I think I say this on every other show I think, but like GitHub is just uh, just blows my brain away because I mean, there's there's been like. Other like in Google, there's Google Code and so that. There's other been other things like GitHub before, but to have a place where people like know, like, hey, I'm going to store my code here, and if you want to share it, I'll make it public. And you know, if you want to make it better, you know, it's it's easy to do on here, and it's you know that's more mostly for coders, but it's also there's some you know design stuff in there too as well. So, but uh, but it's just one aspect of it. But uh, but yeah, I think definitely our industry just uh, just feeds off of uh, the sharing and and, and it's. There's no stopping it. I don't think there's any way you could if you if you were trying to. So, yeah. But, but yeah, cool. Yeah. So I mean, there, there was definitely I'm, some of it might have been a little ego driven. You know that uh, I wanted to uh, be able to push my uh, my identity out there and I don't know, get a little bit of notoriety. I think um, mm-hmm. you know as maybe as bad as that sounds. I think nobody <laughs> necessarily <laughs> goes out of their way for that, but. Um, yeah, it was something that uh, uh, I felt like trying to do. At that point, were you thinking about writing a book yet, or did that come just naturally a, later down the road? It came a little bit later. Um, so I had ended up uh, jumping into freelance. Um, I'm just trying to think what year it was that I ended up drop, jumping into freelance. Around 2004, um, I think I finally made the jump to freelance. And... You know, now at this point, okay, I'm working on my own things. I'm establishing my own identity, um, and then, okay, you know what? I'm going to start going to conferences. And it was that that moment that I started doing that. I ended up running into an editor uh, from uh, a book publisher, and you know, when you talk to to somebody, you know, and having done a little bit of writing elsewhere, sort of that idea of writing a book sounds kind of cool, and and seeing. <laughs> People I know write books. Sounds kind of cool, but I hadn't made any effort towards actually writing a book. Uh, but then running into an editor, and editors are like, you know, if they've got topics, um, they they need writers, they need somebody to be able to put this stuff together. It was a very easy thing for them to go, hey, you know, would you like to write a book? And I said, well, yes, I think I would. Uh, and that that you know that snowball effect. Uh, Okay, you know what? I will write a book. Mm-hmm. And now there's what three, four books? Uh, three books. Yeah, there's uh, well, the first one was nice and easy uh, because it was only one chapter uh, in uh, the Site Point book, The Art and Science of CSS. So that was fairly straightforward. Um, uh, one chapter was, books are easy, man. I, yeah, yeah. I get to dip my toes into it a little bit. Um, <laughs> And then uh, I took the big leap to say, you know what, I'm going to write an entire book. Uh, working with A-Press uh, to write this book about JavaScript geared not so much, at, like not about jQuery, not about prototype and all the sort of popular libraries at the time, but really to sort of provide some background to say that, you know what, plain old vanilla j- JavaScript um, is important. You need to understand these things. Um, but talking about them in the context of libraries and how they're solving these problems, 
so that people, when they did go to use the library, uh, understood uh, the background behind it. Because I think it's important mm-hmm. to understand uh, the platform that you're building on. Mm-hmm. And it turned out writing a book is hard. <laughs> it is so hard, uh, especially a JavaScript book or any technical book where there's a lot of research that needs to be done. And that was the thing that I had completely underestimated, the amount of research involved. So like, if I'm writing these five lines of code, mm-hmm. is this the best way to write these five lines of code? Yeah. Um, is this five lines of code you know, cross-browser compatible? I have to test this. I have to you know, research. Why is this the best way to do this? And as a result, you know, there was a lot of work required just to write a couple chapters um, of text around these examples that I was writing about. Mm-hmm. It, it got exhausted. I mean, it, it strung on way too long. Um, and, you know, as publishers tend to do when things take a while, they want to finish up the book. Um, so they were nice enough to uh, find uh, a few people to help out. Uh, so I managed to write two thirds of the book. Um, I wrote six chapters and then uh, they had gotten Dan Webb. Uh, they had uh, gotten uh, Aaron Gustafson, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm going to feel bad for having forgotten the third person that they ended up getting. Oh, I feel bad now. Uh, see. I think it just, I just, I was just looking at it too, and I forgot, I forgot his name too. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was Aaron and Dan, and I forgot the other person. Oh, man. I was just looking at it. Let's see. This is important. I'm going to look it up. I'll tell you. <laughs> Stuart uh, language. Stuart, Stuart, yeah. Stuart yeah. language, yes. Yeah, uh, Sam's on uh, the case. <laughs> you know what, Stuart? Uh, I hope Stuart doesn't listen to the podcast. <laughs> Not I'm sorry, Stuart. A lot of people don't, so don't worry about that. <laughs> no, that's all right. Uh, but like three very talented people, um, you know, that can and should be writing books and have written books uh, in their own right. So um, I was really happy that. Um, I was able to get these great people to to help out with the book, finish it off, um, and put it out there. And after doing that, I thought, I will never write another book ever again. (laughs) (laughs) I I thought that eight times (laughs) in the past, as well, you know that. Yeah. Well, I mean, there were certainly a couple of times where, you know, I thought, okay, you know what, I'll try this. And I had gotten like a chapter in to a new book. And then again, it's just life got in the way, and I said, you know what, screw it, I, I can't do this, I'm going to stop. Mm-hmm. And and so I never ended up getting anywhere close to finishing another book uh, for a long time, which seems to lead in for the last one. <laughs> um, well, like, well, like, what year was the A Press book, which is uh, which is called Acceler- Accelerated DOM Scripting with AJAX APIs and Libraries? So yes, uh, got a lot of Good words in there. So of book. course, uh, yeah. search engine optimization is just as important for book publishers. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> so, w- what year was that? I, I should probably. Two thousand seven. That was two thousand seven. That's six years ago now. Wow. Okay. Two thousand seven, and then. Um, so, where were you working? You were still freelancing at that time. Uh, yes, freelancing at that time, mm-hmm. uh, and. Uh, I mean, it, it's great to have a book on the shelves. Like, it, it's awesome to be able to walk into a bookstore, mm-hmm. and see your book there. Um, okay. I was really proud of of having made that accomplishment. I, I've hit that milestone. Uh, you know, I've checked something off the bucket list. Right. Fantastic. Um, and so I, I was happy. I, I didn't necessarily feel like I had to do it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, I felt like it would be nice to write more books, but I, I never felt like I must do this. That I had to get it done. Um, 
and so I continued freelancing. Um, I worked uh, freelance until 2000, uh, I'm trying to think what year it was, 2010, mm-hmm. 2009. Okay. Uh, time flies. Um, yeah, I want to say it was the end of 2009 that uh, I ended up getting a job at Yahoo. So this is where I think my, my career ends up taking a maybe not a huge turn from a professional perspective in the sense that I was still doing uh, web development, um, still uh, very technical with a little bit of design, uh, aesthetic, um, you know, being able to understand sort of the how users should be or could be using uh, an application and, and really starting to, um, I think, feel fairly confident in uh, the way I approached web development. And, and then coming into Yahoo and realizing just the scale that they work at, uh, both with the number of users that they have, uh, the size of the teams that they have, and just how we approach web development uh, was a lot different than I thought it was going to need to be. I felt like, oh yeah, you know, how, how hard is it to build a website? I've, I've written books about it. I've blogged about it. I've read blogs about it. Um, there are there are things that you deal with when you are at that kind of scale where you realize, you know what, the way I was approaching things maybe wasn't the best way. Um, and uh, it was a great learning experience. Uh, again, just working with some really smart people and working on just, we worked on Yahoo Mail, Messenger, Calendar. Um, so it wasn't just like one little project. Um, it was multiple products, uh, working with a team of 30 designers, uh, worked with over 200 engineers, uh, and being able to marry those two well. Uh, and I, I worked on the prototyping team, but we didn't really do prototyping in the sense that what we built was thrown away. Uh, we actually acted more as a bridge between design and development. Again, I think my career history prepared me well for that role. Mm-hmm. Having had um, a lot of design work, especially as a freelancer, um, I did a, f- a fair amount of design work that I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that I was very proud of, um, and a lot of the agency work where I did a lot of back-end development, uh, and being able to pull that together in that kind of role where I had to marry the two and make sure that you know the stuff that was being designed could be developed, could be developed well, that it was usable, that you know we weren't reinventing the wheel in some places, and that we were building something that was fast, uh, you know, really performant um, and easy to maintain. I mean, if you got to think of, you know, we're building the front end for for all these different products, how do we do that in a way that's easy to maintain? And uh, So I worked there for two years, and about a year in, um, uh, all the stuff that I had learned, I really started to uh, think about my process uh, and think about the process that we, we were using at Yahoo and uh, starting to formulate a an actual approach to site development that was maybe a little bit more uh, thoughtful than the approach that I had taken before. And with that, um, I decided to write another book, Um, but a little bit differently this time. I didn't go to a publisher with the idea. Um, I just wanted to start writing it out. I wanted to get as far as I could with that before I thought about doing anything with it. Uh, And after about six months of trying to put these thoughts together, um, I actually kind of got frustrated with that writing process as one tends to do. <laughs> and I just, I put out what I had. I was like, listen, um, I'm not getting this book 
together quite in the way that I wanted to. So yeah. I'm just going to put it out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me know what you guys think. Yeah, I remember. I remember when you did that, and I was like, "Oh, so just post it like a treaty, uh, a a, you know, a, a, a treaty." What is it? Words fail me on a podcast. That's audio <laughs> only. Um, so basically, yeah, you just put this whole like you know this manuscript out there about CSS, and I like immediately went to it, and I was like, "Holy cow, this is awesome!" So, um, but I do before we get to what that book is about and, and everything that, but I just want to talk about a little bit about your the job at Yahoo. Yes. A little bit. So, if I understand this correctly, it's kind of like my visual of it is that you were on a team that's kind of roving and went from like other departments to other departments and basically helped them um, build better uh, designs, sort of. code, some of that. Is that it or is that wrong? Not quite. Yeah. What, what ended up happening is, is that uh, they consolidated the design team mm-hmm. around the entire communication suite. Uh, so that meant that they had a single design team mm-hmm. building out. Um, you know, the look and feel of all these products. So the mail, messenger, calendar, mm-hmm. um, address book, and a bunch of other little apps. Um, so that they all had a consistent design and approach. Um, they also worked on the mobile apps, the iPad app. Um, and, okay, so now we have this very consistent design. Mm-hmm. Well, historically what they had done is, is they would take a design and they'd throw it over the wall to a particular engineering team mm-hmm. and, you know, come back two, three, four months later and say, okay, we're done. And the designers would go, okay, that wasn't quite what I wanted. Um, yeah. And you know, the way that one department solved the problem was a little bit different than the way another department solved the problem. Right, right. And as a result, you had interactions that were inconsistent across products. Right, right. And as a result of this, um, we had decided to build a single HTML and CSS code base that would be, and even some JavaScript as well, that would be shared across all these teams. So we were an extension of the design team uh, that worked in conjunction with the different engineering teams to make sure that the front-end interactions that we were building were consistent across all those teams. Oh, cool. So you you weren't like roving, you were more like you were the central part and people came to you yes. to, to go through to, to produce their products. Okay, cool, awesome. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> okay, awesome. And it was a process that I thought worked well. I thought that, uh, like I said, I was very happy with the the kind of work that we were building, work with smart people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, I think considering most of the people I know use Gmail mm-hmm. uh, to work for Yahoo and to work on their mail product and work on the, the problems that we were trying to solve, uh, you know, one we needed it to be fast. So how how fast could we make things load? Mm-hmm. How small could we make things? Uh, but then, just you know, how usable was this application? Mm-hmm. Um, how well could people interact with it? And uh, you know, there was a lot of things that I cared about that got in there um, that I was really happy to see. Uh, and you know, to work with people like Todd Klutz and and Victor Saron, who uh, do a lot of accessibility work, um, the keyboard accessibility in Yahoo Mail. In, in my mind, is is one of the best uh, web applications out there, uh, and it's great to see you know people have reviewed the app and feel the same way. And I love using it because of just how natural it feels. Um, and I think that's that was something that I was really proud of. Okay. Well, that's good. Well, like I know a lot of people are upset with uh, Google's uh, Gmail's new layout and look, so it might be 
behoove people to just check out Yahoo Mail and see if the <laughs> new layout is actually uh, better for them. So, and yeah, uh, yeah and also like because you, you you were showing me like what you're working on when you were um, back in the day when you were working on Yahoo Mail and it looked great. Um, I'm not a big, I guess I I use my own domain email, so I don't really uh, do that. But uh, yeah. um, but I also want to talk about um, what you can't. You did your own series with um, Dan Rubin of um, what's it called Creative Sidebar. Yeah, uh, uh, Sidebar Creative. Sidebar Creative, and so, and how, how that come about? How that fit in with, uh, you know, your freelance work or or, or, or not? And and uh, how that come? How did that? What was Sidebar Creative? And what was Sidebar Creative? So Sidebar Creative uh, came out of uh, going to conferences. Actually, uh, we had uh, myself, Steve Smith, Brian Veloso, and Dan Rubin uh, were at a conference together. Uh, we were all freelancing at the time, and we saw an opportunity to uh, occasionally work on larger projects beyond what any individual uh, one of us could actually work on. And decided, you know what, let's form this little uh, creative group, uh, this little co-op that allowed us to bring larger projects in that we could all work on. Mm-hmm. And uh, and interestingly enough, it didn't quite work out that way. Um, so we, we created this this group. We created the website. You know, we'll, we'll work on uh, projects. And we had gotten some uh, projects in that we pulled in that uh, we had worked on collectively. But what we ended up actually doing was working on a lot of our own projects. Uh, so we had built... Uh, some stuff. In fact, when I built a, a Twitter client way back when, um, just for fun, was that was it called Snitter? It was so. called Snitter. Yeah, yeah Snook, nice. Snook, Snook's Twitter. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I, I, I built Twitter, uh, this Twitter app, uh, and it, uh, was, it was that great. A, what, what technology was it? Adobe Air was it? Or was yep. It? Oh, yeah, yeah, I used Adobe Air, so it was all HTML, CSS, and JavaScript technologies that I was very familiar with uh-huh. uh, to build this desktop application that um, could work on you know Windows, Mac, and uh, eventually Linux. So from there, um, switching off to, um, oh, so you're, you know, so you're, able, you're still working on center, center, right? No, no, that's right. Okay. <laughs> Just, <laughs> uh, like, like uh, with, with all the Twitter stuff going on with like the client and stuff like that, it's like, it seems like you need to be, you, you need to have withstood the early barrage of Twitter and still like be in their good graces to, uh, yeah, I think if I, if I had stuck with it, um, I think there was a lot of potential for it. Um, I know at one point uh, I was like within the top 10 Twitter applications. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because there were only 10 Twitter applications at the time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, was, it was fun, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. It was, uh, I, I liked the fact that people were using it. And I, I still have the occasional person contact me and say, oh, man, I love Snitter. I'd love to use it again. And mm-hmm. uh, it was just, it was fun to put together and play with. And, and, you know, I had these visions of things that I wanted to continue to do with it mm-hmm. um, that I thought would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, but I also think, like, the things that I wanted to do, I can't do now. It's like, it's against the rules to do the things that I want to do. Like what? Uh, uh, so, for example, I had this feature that if you turned it on, it would automatically add in bed to tweets. So if somebody said, oh, I had a great day today, it would uh, add in bed to the end of it. So I had a great day in bed. Um, uh, <laughs> the fortune cookie filter? Is that right? the, the fortune cookie filter, exactly. Okay. Um, modifying tweets in that way. Wow, I feel like I'm making a lot of noise here. Um, th- to be able to uh, work on 
you know, to be able to modify these tweets, right? That's not something that you could get away with today. Um, one of the things that I wanted to do that I never had a chance to do was to uh, be able to pull in multiple streams uh, from different places. So if you were on Facebook or if you were on um, uh, Identica, and of course we have app.net now, that you could somehow pull all these things into one stream. Uh, but of course you can't do that now either. Um, so just things like that, um, that I had a lot of fun with just how I presented tweets even um, were are things that have evolved such that you have to follow their design standards. They have to be formatted in a specific way. Um, and I think eventually I would have had to give it up anyway. Yeah. So, so you, you're just like, uh, so you give up on, not give up, but you like you put Snitter aside and what other projects did you, did you work on? Uh, so we had that. Um, we also worked on, um, uh, my mile marker, which is a little hard to say, um, but we called it M3 for short. And my mile marker was a way to track uh, your mileage. Uh, you know, every time you gassed up, so you can see, you know, what what kind of uh, fuel mileage am I getting, uh, and and be able to track that over time. So that was a project that was mostly spearheaded by Steve Smith, uh, but we all pitched in on design and uh, on development and put that out there. So that was another project that we put out there to share and see what would happen. Okay. And then, um, wasn't there, um, overheard that? Oh idea? yes. Overheard. Uh, yeah. that was another fun project. That was a, a, a project of mine that, um, again, I, I went to the rest of the team and, uh, got their assistance on getting that built out. Uh, overheard it was, uh, being able to pull stuff from Twitter. Uh, so anytime somebody typed in like, Overheard and some funny saying, um, I would actually pull those into uh, a single website that you could flip through and just you know see what kind of funny things people overheard. Um, kind of like the Overheard in New York uh, website, um, but uh, specifically with Twitter and, and pulling those tweets in. Cool. And then uh, one thing I absolutely liked that you guys did was the um, Sidebar Creative Workshop. Yes. So I'm not yeah. sure what year that was. That seemed like forever now, but um, it could be like last year for all I know. But um, <laughs> well, uh, we, we did we did a few of them, uh, yeah. which was awesome. Uh, it was a fun project to work on, and it was an opportunity for us to share our development process. The fact that uh, you know you had two really strong designers uh, with with Brian and uh, with Dan and, and even just, I mean, Steve Smith does some fantastic design work and, you know, since I was doing some design work, we all had a bit of that design, uh, aesthetic, but then we also all had a lot of, uh, development background. Uh, so Steve, uh, on the, the Ruby side on the, uh, Brian had, uh, doing Django development. Um, I did PHP development. So, I mean, we, we all had this sort of breadth of knowledge that we were able to bring to uh, a full day workshop and uh, yeah, so we did, we did a, a handful of those, um, and uh, I liked that. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I liked it too. It was, um, um, you know, you guys you guys went to Austin, where I'm from, and so uh, yes. I and I signed up for it. I didn't know what to expect per se, but it was just great to, um, you know, I, I think I was you know freelancing at the time, or I was just doing slow stuff. So it was always great to see what uh, you know people like you and and Brian and and Dan and so like. And and how they code and and design and so that it was like a big it was probably the biggest shot in the arm in terms of like of new stuff that I could learn 
easily. And it wasn't like a big room. You know, it wasn't big, you know, very crowded. And you guys probably want a big sold out theater or something. But I don't know. But um, <laughs> but yeah, it was really great because like you could ask questions and and so that and actually just get to the point of like uh, finding what to do. So it wasn't like a beginner conference or workshop. It was actually no. like it was like intermediate to advanced. And I really well, it wasn't advanced. I don't think it was advanced, but it was like intermediate and like it was really. Hello for people who may like be more Cody coder side, if you will, um, learn about design and or like you know or, or they're hybrid. So I really appreciated that, and I'm really glad you guys did it, even though you know I have gone you've gone in separate ways now. But um, but yeah, I thought it was really great. And I wish um, other people could do that too. I mean, it's just, you know, something really short and sweet. But uh, but yeah, but yeah, I just want to tell you how much I appreciated that. that was, oh, thank you. Uh, nice. I appreciate hearing that. It was. Uh, uh, and it's interesting how like a lot of the stuff that has come since, um, at least with a lot of the stuff that I've been talking about, um, is an extension of that. In fact, uh, the whole sort of book that I wrote that I think we've so far avoided naming up until <laughs> this point in time, uh, I had actually first mentioned the thoughts of that um, in the workshop that we did um, in Austin. Um, so we were doing the workshop and I'm like, you know, I, I've been, I have these ideas, um, that I'm looking to write down. I'm going to start writing about it. And, uh, yeah, I think the Austin workshop was one of the first, uh, probably the first time that I mentioned it. Well, you're welcome. I'm glad I got you out of But yeah, so let's, uh, you know, let's, let's finally name the book, which is, um, I have no idea what the name of it. I just know the, the, the short handle for it. So it's, uh, um, Smacks. Which is, yes, which is S M A C S S. Yes, so the and scalable we'll, and modular architecture for CSS. Cool. And um, so, uh, there's two things we want to talk about. One is the creation of the book, which yes. you know, we, we kind of get to. We kind of like you know got there. We're like you've already written a book for a publisher, and now I want to talk about like you know how you you build it for yourself, um, and then also the actual uh, concepts that are in, in the book. So um, let's just talk with like you know writing a book for yourself like yes um so we got to the point where like hey i've written for six months i got you know ever since christopher told me this awesome idea in austin it was really (laughs) awesome um and i I posted it on the web all right and what like what was what happened next like what was your what was your rationale to to the the feedback that i got uh was very positive um and one of the other great things about it was that I was getting uh, questions, you know, like, what about this? What about that? And it allowed me to go, oh, yes, let me expand on that. Um, and so I continued to write on that. And, of course, the more I wrote, the more people had said, you know what, it would be really nice if I had this in an ebook format. I would love to be able to download this and read this on my Kindle. Do or people actually say that? Yes. Okay. Yes. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, if they hadn't, I don't think I would have come up with this idea right. to uh, eventually do this. Right. Um, this is like, like I can understand people like wanting a book form sometimes, but yeah, okay. So Kindle, um, so EPUB form, um, or EPUB or .mo bi. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, so you so, got the Mobi format. You've got the EPUB format PDF. Yeah, right. Um, and uh, and so as I continued to, to evolve the writing and get things to a, a point where I felt like you know what this could really come together as a book um, let me pull these chapters together mm-hmm. and actually created an ebook format um, so I, I put that together and decided to start selling it um, and it was interesting because uh, when I first 
decided to sell it, most of the content, uh, I would say pretty much every single chapter up until that point, was available for free on the website. And I started selling it and I said, listen, I'm going to continue to write. And from this point on, everything that I'm writing after this will only be for those who have purchased the book. Everything up until now is still free. I'm not like taking it away. Uh, you can still go to the site right now, smacks.com, and like two-thirds of the book, absolutely free. A lot of the, the core ideas behind it, um, feel free to read it. Um, I think hopefully a lot of people get a lot of value out of that. Um, but I, I thought, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm at this point. I've invested a lot of time, uh, a lot of effort. I learned a ton about creating eBooks. Uh, just how do you build the format? How do you, uh, put, put it all together and, you know, how does that work on the Kindle? How does it work on the iPad? Um, what does the PDF look like? That kind of thing. And, uh, was a great process to go through. I absolutely loved it. And it sold really well. <laughs> I was uh, actually kind of surprised at how well it sold. Well, also, did you also? Oh, sorry, let me say also again. But but you also you built the um, e-commerce part too. I did. Book? Yeah. yeah at so. that point, I had uh, well d- designed the book. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up getting uh, a gentleman, uh, Kyle Jones, based in Nashville, to do the um, the illustration on the cover. The Lumberjack, um, Jack the Lumberjack. Uh, and there's a bit of a story behind that as well. Uh, but So he did the illustration, uh, but I did the, um, the the book design, the cover design, the site design, all right, all right, the all right, all right, e-commerce you, integration, everything else. Okay, you're, you're going to have to tell me the story about the Lumberjack. The Lumberjack, Yeah, the yes. Lumberjack story. Okay, what, what's the story with that? Uh, so Jack the Lumberjack uh, was an idea that I had. Um, I had... Did a little sketch, sent it off to Kyle and said, like, listen, I'd, I'd love to get a nice illustration of this. Um, and why a lumberjack? Well, one, I, I thought, hey, you know what? It's a thing. Every, everybody loves a, lo- a good mascot, right? You know, some way of identifying with something. Uh, but I live here in Ottawa. Um, Ottawa, Canada um, actually used to be the lumberjack capital of the world. Uh, we were a huge logging town. We had like a little village of lumberjacks um, and we, we still have paper mills. Um, and as a result of that, it was a way of honoring Ottawa, mm-hmm. uh, this place that I live right now. And uh, and so, yeah, I, you know, I, I thought a lumberjack was a great way to, to do that. Um, who doesn't love a, a lumberjack? Uh, <laughs> Lumberjacks are very Canadian. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, sent it off, got the illustration. And uh, interestingly enough, he actually had a red suit to start off with, with a red hat. <laughs> and uh, I thought, you know what, that's maybe a little too Santa. Uh, maybe not quite the, the right approach. Um, you know, even though he had his like plaid uh, thing, red wasn't the, the color that I wanted to go for. And so the, the blue toque, as we call it here in Canada, the blue toque, the blue beanie, um, as I think you Americans call it, um, I realized, you know, blue beanies kind of have a significance when it comes to web design and, and web development. Our community has that association with web standards. And I thought it, mm-hmm. it was a great way as well to honor web standards uh, by, uh, by donning him in blue. Uh, so that, that, that's the background, the story of Jack the Lumberjack. Cool. That's a great story. Well, and I did not know Ottawa's main export is l- lumberjacks. I, I, that's <laughs> pretty awesome. So, there you go. All right, all right cool. Awesome. Okay, so uh, so basically, you're doing like 
I think I also talked to you about this too about the book um, we were working on it was like you're you took a lot of pride I think you know that's the feeling I got it was like of building everything yourself like from the e-commerce to like you know hiring the illustrator to uh, designing everything and um, and you know I think that's awesome that you have the skill set to, to, to do that and you know that was was that your goal in that or was that just you know that you like hey I, I, I ran this book I want to take it and do as much as I can independently and just and not like farm it out to a, like a third party e-commerce. Uh, I don't know. I don't think it was a very, um, there wasn't like that decision making uh, point in time where I said, you know what, I will do it all. Um, instead, it just kind of turned out that way. It just became this like, well, what's the next step? Okay, well, I want to do this and I want to learn about it. I want to learn about how this stuff works. And so I worked through that process in order to do that. Um, so even if the, there was another company that could have done it for me, I felt like I, I didn't find that company. Mm. Uh, I didn't find that service that I could just give everything to and know that what I got back mm. was awesome, that what, it was something that I was going to be proud of and, and wanted to, to have. So being able to go through that process and, and really learn you know, how all the stuff gets made and, and comes together was just a lot of fun to to learn about. It was a way of growing my uh, technical chops in a new area that I hadn't really played around with before. Awesome. And, and what would you do differently? Why, like, if you were to do anything differently? Uh, I think the only real weak spot in this whole thing was the e-commerce setup. Um, and I, I feel like I'm setting up a, uh, a plug here, but bear with me for a moment. <laughs> Uh, the, uh, so the first, I, I, I worked on this and I remember this was like Thanksgiving weekend, uh, us Thanksgiving, uh, weekend. I knew I had a long weekend that I wanted to get this stuff done. I had finished it off on Saturday, um, put it up, but hadn't really told anybody about it yet and realized that the way I was doing the PayPal integration, cause at this point PayPal was the only way I was collecting money, um, and realizing that. I didn't really do it correctly in that if people didn't click on a particular link on a particular screen, I would never know that they actually bought the book. Um, and like all the automation that I had set up would have completely failed. So like, okay, screw this. Um, I spent another you know, 12 hours rewriting the PayPal integration uh, so that it was actually done properly, that the notifications would hit my server so that I could set up your account so you could actually log in and access the ebook. Uh, and then I announced it. So it was on the Monday, um, on that right after that long weekend. And okay, like here's the book. I'm I'm finally done. Uh, you can now go and buy it. Um, and I think that the lesson learned there was just it, it would have been easier if I had a service just do that for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that so there was another inflection point. Uh, I want to say probably the following January or February. So I felt really uncomfortable putting all this money into PayPal, um, reading a lot of stories of people that were having their accounts shut down. Um, and because my ebook was a virtual product, uh, you know, there was really no proof of delivery. Uh, and without that proof of delivery, mm-hmm. I was worried that PayPal could shut down my account at any point. Uh, so I looked into another payment gateway uh, called Moneris. 
Uh, it was one my bank recommended. Um, I don't know how good they are compared to other ones, but it's one I was f- familiar with. I had actually worked on some client projects beforehand, so I was again familiar with it. Uh, but I wasn't going through like all the uh, PCI compliance stuff that people have to worry about. You know, how do I store credit card numbers? I don't want to worry about that. So I put everything through the Moneris hosted solution. Um, but it didn't look pretty. It didn't really feel integrated, um, but it got the job done, um, and it worked okay. And um, uh, interestingly enough, sort of the overlapping of timelines, um, once I got that integrated, well, I'm now working at Shopify and seeing, okay, you know what, here's a platform that um, handles Moneris integration. I just you know, give them my ID, and everything is seamless. Um, and it was uh, later on that year that I actually ended up moving my store, part of it, the whole purchase process, onto Shopify. I still have my own website that handles all the account stuff. Um, there's webhooks that communicate each other, uh, but that the actual payment process, um, I don't have to worry about the security. Um, I don't have to worry about any of that, um, but I still have all my order management. I still have all my customer management, um, and all the stuff is integrated because of the API that Shopify offers. So it it saved me a lot of um, headaches um, and things have been really stable as a result and I, I think that as of all things um, know where your um, expertise lies um, yeah. and at the, when I started out I didn't know where my expertise I didn't know the limit of um, what I felt I knew and didn't know so it was a great experience to go through anyway mm-hmm. um, but I feel a lot better now that everything's on Shopify yeah. cool right. and so so you you get the book out, and um, I think also we talked about like at one point in time, like you maybe thought about like I'm just gonna do Smacks for a year, and then I'm gonna just you know see how it goes. And I think we're on like year three or something. Like that. I'm not really sure. How <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's getting close to that. It's um, two just past two years mm-hmm. uh, since the book was. No, because the book was a, a released in November, so we're coming up onto two years. Oh, coming up two years, okay. So uh, that's awesome. So, but yeah, and it's uh, like I said, the, the success of the book has really surprised me. Um, mm-hmm. I had a bet uh, with a friend of mine, and I said, you know what, you know, in the first two weeks, I, I'm going to say maybe 50 copies. I, I'd be happy if I sold 50. Right. Um, she said, I think 225 was her number. Right. Um, and so I was like, okay, you know what? If it's 225, I'll be ecstatic. ecstatic. Uh, I sold over 100 in the first day. Oh, wow. And it was just like, oh, this feels good. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, you know, obviously people um, uh, have enjoyed it, have uh, thought that the stuff that I was talking about was, was worthwhile to read. Uh, so only 100 and- people bought your book so far? Yes, only a hundred oh, people. Oh man, all right. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, I, I haven't actually counted. I, I I used to be really um, particular in checking my stats and saying, "Well, this many people have bought the book so far." Mm-hmm. Um, at this point, I've I've kind of stopped checking, um, mm-hmm. but I would say probably around four thousand copies sold. Oh, wow, that's pretty good. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's that's and for an independent publisher, that's like that's I don't know. You, I don't know and you get to keep all the royalties and all the stuff like that. So and it's, it's an ebook. So you know, I'm just doing the numbers right now. No, no, but no. Um, <laughs> no, I think I think yeah. it's fantastic. I mean, it's just it, it, uh, you know, Zelman. He used to do this, um, and I think in the mid 
early 2000s, like the independent publisher, you know, content uh, is, is awesome and king. And, and so yep. just to be able to, to do that, I think is just speaks greatly of the nature of the web, you know, and that, that's what it is, but also just to, you know, put something out there and, and have it respected and, and people want to buy it. So it's pretty, yes. pretty awesome. So, yeah. okay. Well, like we've talked about like the building of it a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I could talk all day about this stuff because I, I, love, I love this part, <laughs> but uh, let's talk about the concepts of the book of uh, Smacks. Yeah, yeah. So, um, if, you, if you if you don't mind, and you've probably talked about this like a million times all over the place, uh, what are the the core concepts of Smacks? It's uh, so the core concept of of Smacks was really about the categorization. That was to me when I started out. It was the categorization of the type of CSS that we were writing. Why are we writing a particular rule? Um, and really trying to figure out how that fits into the entire ecosystem of what we're building. Uh, because I think traditionally, um, certainly the way I was developing it and the way I was seeing other people develop it was um, I build a page, right? I'm going to build my homepage. Um, I'm going to do everything I need to make this homepage look great. And now I'm going to work on the inside page. And I'm going to write all the CSS for anything that's different than the homepage. Um, and when you're working on a blog and you've only got two templates, that works great. Uh, but when you're working on uh, an application that has dozens and dozens of controls that you know are mixed and matched um, in different ways on different screens, uh, that approach uh, becomes very difficult to work with. And so the stuff that came out of Yahoo was this recognition of this modularity that um, we needed. Uh, so, okay, what are we writing and why are we writing it? And so those categories were, um, you know, we have our base styles, we have our layout styles, um, then we have like the individual sort of content pieces um, that I called modules. Uh, then we have states, you know, these layouts and, and modules um, can exist in different states. How do we represent those um, and the CSS that we're writing for those? And then uh, lastly was themes. You know, we have something on the screen that needs to change and react um, visually to um, to users. So, you know, a user wants something to look pink instead of blue. Um, how do we represent that differently? Um, and so those were the five categories. Uh, and from there, um, I think unexpectedly, uh, at least to me, was this idea of, okay, well, now that you've categorized things, how do you name things in a way that clarifies that categorization? Um, and then the naming convention became uh, just as, if not more important than everything else, in that, okay, well, how we name things is going to make things instantly clear um, as to how things are associated, what they belong to. Um, and then and then there was a number of uh, other things that kind of branch off that, uh, which, of course, is really the rest of the book. For me, it's, um, I remember trying to teach myself a lot of uh, responsive web design or learn some sort of, you know, foundations or any of the, um, I'm forgetting all of my words today too, um, any of the, like, uh, CSS 1140 or any of those frameworks or anything like that and seeing that sort of structure and thinking, oh, that's brilliant. And then I just started picking that up and then came across your book and I was like, oh, that's where it came from. <laughs> that makes sense. And then I started talking to my students about it because they got really interested in the idea of, well, how should stuff be ordered? Is there a particular way? And they see the value in it 
at, at their stage where they're still early into to coding and if they start right, they end up in a really good place. So it's really helpful. Awesome. Yeah, I think that, uh, and what I'm talking about with, with Smacks and what I've written in the book isn't, um, I don't think it's revolutionary. Um, in fact, a lot of what I wrote was an amalgamation of a lot of ideas that I have been seeing other people talk about. Um, so in, in a lot of ways, I don't feel like um, I've broken down any walls or broken any barriers um, in how we develop things, but just I think maybe codified um, uh, an approach that was a little bit different than the stuff that I was working on before. So, you know, I, I had seen, uh, of course, Nicole Sullivan with object-oriented CSS um, that, you know, a lot of people um, were already familiar with. Um, a lot of those similar concepts were, were stuff that I was applying. Um, stuff that uh, uh, Jeremy Keith, um, Natalie Down, uh, Gina Bolton, a lot of them were already talking about CSS architecture and in and the way you know they, they sort of break things down into these smaller chunks, uh, this very atomic uh, level of thinking. Um, and now we're seeing a lot more around that. You know, we we see uh, Nicholas Gallagher um, and the way he approaches things. Uh, there's a, a framework out of uh, Russia called BEM, stands for Block Element Modifier. Uh, that again is very similar. Talks about naming convention. Talks about the sort of separation of of these components. Um, uh, Harry um, CSS Wizardry is his uh, Twitter handle. Um, Harry talks a lot about uh, CSS architecture and the stuff that he's doing. Um, and everybody's sort of now, I think, on this very similar wavelength. Um, and so we're talking about this at the CSS architecture level. Um, we're also now starting to see a lot of people talk about this more at a higher design level. Uh, so we look at uh, Brad Frost, for example, talking about um, this atomic design approach. Um, we have uh, the, the folks at Paravel um, have a, a wonderful article talking about um, the work that they did for Microsoft on responsive mm -hmm. deliverables, where we had these individual components um, that we're dealing with. So this idea that we're not looking at things necessarily as an entire page, but as this framework of design components that people interact with. And, and Smacks is just really one way of looking at it. And it's it's not a not a library. It's just how can you look at this entire ecosystem of web development and how can you fit it into this approach that makes sense? Yeah, I was going to ask you like how how uh, I think you got asked this on the online version of the workshop. Just like how does it fit in with OO's CSS that, that Nicole's been doing and and um, and I'm not sure what the answer was. I forgot what the answer was actually. It's, I just it just feels like it's just a, it's just a flavor of it and they can be utilized or, or, or it uh, yeah. I think that uh, I mean, the important thing with the book is. Um, it's a reflection of who I am as a web developer, and that is I will never take anything wholesale. Um, so I don't expect anybody to take Smacks wholesale. Um, I'm hoping that they they take it and um, see an approach to something, you know, similar extension to what we did with Sidebar Creative in the sense that, okay, here is the way we're developing it. Maybe you can pick something from that that works for you, and maybe you can tell me something that works for you. And so with OOCSS, there are a lot of similarities um, in that we're, we're trying to modularize things, uh, break things down into smaller components um, that we can pull together. Uh, I think where things differ a little bit is how we pull those pieces together. Um, and so I, I've like I've talked to a few people um, and uh, that you know sort of fall more under the OOCSS approach. Mm -hmm. And 
the way they combine things, I think, is a little bit different than the way I combine things in Smacks. Um, and, but at the end of the day, there's there's so many similarities that I, I don't really see them as as being dramatically different. Right. Yeah, I think I think it's definitely like I definitely like the idea of like don't take anything wholesale and as a um, you know as a way of building things. I think that's just not very good web development ethic uh, to do it. And also, and I think, I mean, I think just something like like Smacks or OCSS, and then it's, you you need to have something like um, SAS, I think, or or less, just to make things so much easier uh, to work on and to build things so much quicker and easier. I mean, uh, uh, w- so for for your team, um, I guess for Shopify, uh, do you guys use Smacks all the time, or or what's what's what, what, well, when I came on board, it was a little bit different than with Yahoo. So Yahoo, it was you know greenfield. We we started off from scratch, building up everything from uh, from nothing, and that is a very uh, freeing environment to create in. Uh, when I started at Shopify, uh, they already had an existing code base, mm-hmm. uh, and so it's not like I could just come in and say, "Okay, we're going to tear all this down." <laughs> We're going to get rid of it. We're going to start everything from scratch. That wasn't really a practical approach. Uh, so then it became, okay, well, how do we look at the concepts and evolve the project so that it's heading in that direction, mm-hmm. uh, which uh, I think is important, right? Uh, right? Every project is an evolution. Uh, I think that any project that I've worked on has been a little bit different at the end than it has been at the beginning in how I approach development. Right. So much so that when I see code from the beginning of the project, I go, ooh, that was, why did I do it that way? Right. Um, yeah, and, I mean, yeah, well, that, that's one thing that I'm kind of interested in, too, is like, how did you, what, what steps are you taking, because I'm actually researching, trying to find uh, solutions or, or and tell people, like, if they have a legacy website and they want responsive, what steps do they need to take? And they, and they can't change the underlying code base, right? They, how, how do we work to make that right. more responsive? Because it would be awesome, like you did at Yahoo, just like, okay, we're just going to just uh, just start fresh and all that, so, yes. but you can't can't really do it. So, so what steps did you take to, to it's, move uh, the steps that we took were to uh, take it one step at a time. Uh, the ability to refactor uh, a component and then separate that out into its own module. Uh, so the first one um, that I ended up working on was buttons. Okay, let's go through find any declaration of buttons in this project and. Isolated into its own module, and you know, pull all the dependencies so that it could stand alone. It does mean that yes, I'm I am doing a refactor. Um, it does mean that I'm rewriting stuff that had already been written. Um, a few things might break. Let me fix those. Uh, but I am working on one problem area. Um, I'm not trying to rewrite everything on the website. I'm just working on one individual component. So to take that stuff and and migrate it over into its own thing. Uh, and then be like, okay, you know what? This piece is done for now. I'm going to commit this, and I've started off. Our project now has one module, a button, uh, and then just continuing to evolve from there. Uh, so, okay, th- this is our, you know, our our table design. Let's move that into its own thing. This is our um, drop-down menus. Let's move that into its own thing. And then each new component that we built uh, that didn't exist yet we would start off in a modular approach. And that modularity just continues to grow so we get more and more components and the sort of behemoth of of the original CSS gets smaller and smaller. 
Yeah, so basically, right, so yeah, yeah, just one step at a time, like I said. Exactly. I guess, like, how, where do you see Smacks going from from here? I mean, like, we already talked about how you thought it would be one year, or like approaching two years. And um, do you? I, I know I saw an interview where you researched. Uh, well, the same interview was like kind of cool. There's two points. One point was uh, uh, Smacks is being adopted by Drupal. Yes, that is so so cool. That's awesome, dude. That's like that's that's crazy cool. Uh, Drupal is used by like how many millions of people? But uh, millions of websites. But that's just awesome thing to have happen. So kudos, man. That's awesome. Thank you. And um, the other thing was that you thought about doing a um, or a, the actual idea was was proposed. Actually, actually thought about doing it, but uh, uh, fleshing out the book with uh, like a second edition that looks looks at case studies or maybe a full fleshed out website. And, and doing that, is, is that still a potential down the road? Or are you working on that? Or Yeah, it's definitely a potential. Um, I haven't started working on it, mostly because uh, a lot of my time over the last six months, um, I, I kind of overworked myself a little bit with um, both, uh, or both, more than both, the more two things that I ended up overwhelming myself with. Uh, one was work mm-hmm. uh, at, at Shopify, uh, just... The, the the stuff that I was working on, uh, you know, trying to to rebuild and launch uh, a new product uh, was a lot of work. And then doing a lot of uh, conference speaking, I had attended and, and spoke at a number of conferences um, over the course of a few months, uh, doing workshops, uh, and then um, actually also ended up helping uh, Nicole Sullivan um, work on the uh, CSS Conf. Uh, that went on uh, in in Florida. So, to you know, help uh, pull off a conference, to do all the public speaking, uh, to do the workshops, to do my day job, to you know, I still have two kids, uh, you know. So it, I had overwhelmed myself with all of that, um, that I didn't really have an opportunity to really continue to foster um, smacks. Um, and with the content and stuff that I wanted. Uh, however, amazingly, in all of this, uh, two people uh, stepped up and offered to do translations for the book, okay. uh, which has been you know totally awesome. Uh, so I now have a French version for Smacks, and I have a Japanese version for Smacks. Uh, so you know, uh, new audiences, uh, which is which is great. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I just doing research. I was like, oh, there's a Japanese version of this. That's amazing. <laughs> that's awesome. And for yeah. for an independent publisher, that that's pretty pretty awesome to do that. Um, it's not impossible, but I think just you know, like with with what you have is um, what you've done is awesome with that. So um, cool. So yeah, I can definitely see why like, you're being being stretched then, because I mean, we you did the online workshops uh, through um, our uh, environments for humans. That was pretty awesome. Um, yep. Had a good time with that, and then, um, and then, um, then you're coming to CSS Dead Conf in October to the workshop. Yes. So you're, you're, yep. you've been and CSS Dev Conf will be my last workshop of this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, again, with all that sort of work, um, I'm starting to scale back a little bit as far as public speaking mm-hmm. um, and and the workshops. Uh, so I've got uh, two more workshops to to finish off the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one at CSS DevConf in Colorado and uh, another um, in coordination with uh, Smashing. Uh, they have the Smashing Workshop, so I'll be doing uh, a workshop in Berlin mm-hmm. at the beginning of October. So oh, nice. uh, that is all I have uh, for this year. That's awesome. 
I, I was wondering, um, go, kind of going back to when the uh, book was first launched, and I know you said you weren't really looking at the stats as much anymore, but I did come across the uh, the gender post. Yes. I was wondering if um, you've seen a change in those numbers from the 95% purchases came from um, men and 5.5 roughly came from women. I I haven't followed up on that stat. Um I don't know if it's actually really changed that much. Um, it's also a little bit harder now uh, to. Uh, I would have to look at just the English market in the sense that a lot of the Japanese names I can't tell if they're male or female. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I feel like things haven't really changed that much. But it would be. I mean, that's all hypothetical. I would actually have to take a look at the stats and. And go through and scour and kind of guess it, you know, which names are male gendered and which ones are, are female gendered, and kind of make some assumptions on that. But mm-hmm. um, I know certainly for the the workshops that I've done, um, that the the mix ten, it, it's not a five percent mix. Uh, uh, I, I know when I did the one in Portland, uh, I think it was about twenty five percent women, uh, so definitely a higher percentage. Uh, of of involvement, which I mean, I would love to to see, to see a more balanced uh, representation. Mm-hmm. Good question. Good. Uh, we always ask at the end, like, how can uh, people find you on on the on the lines on the social medias? Mm-hmm. That. <laughs> they uh, well, they can certainly uh, find my website, in which I post very randomly and sporadically. Now, mm-hmm. um, I think I've only had one post this year. Snook.ca is my blog. Um, of course, they can check out the book at smacks.com, S-M-A-C-S-S.com, uh, and uh, on the Twitter at SnookCA. Interestingly enough, at Snook is a web developer as well, but not me, at yes, SnookCA. I, yes, I, I, uh, I've, I found that out just recently, too. <laughs> and, and, and not at SnookI, uh, S-N-O-O-K-I. I'm not at Snooky. Uh, <laughs> that is somebody else. Okay. Uh, so, right. yeah, Snook CA, um, they can find me. Cool. She's verified on Twitter. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get verified, apparently. Cool. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for um, for being part of the show, and um, we'll, I'll talk to you soon. And, uh, awesome. And see you at All right. Talk to you later. Thank you very much. A lot of fun. Bye. 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 Bye.